0: Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Julio Jones' trade rumors are in full swing, and we're talking new stats on Roto Viz Radio. Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at RotoViz. I am ready to get into another week of podcasts. June is almost here. Things are starting to heat up in the fantasy football world. Curtis Patrick is drinking a bourbonade. We are ready to talk some fantasy football. Uh, kind of a broad question for you to start things off this week, Curtis. What is one wrinkle or element or rule that you would like to see implemented into every fantasy league that you play in?
2: There, man, there are a couple that I just really, really like. Um, so I'll give I'll give two. Okay. And if if you can convince your commissioner, like, like this won't work obviously in you know a big-time dynasty format like you know what we're playing with at FFPC, with our root of is triflex leagues. I mean, we don't have you know individual commissioner settings there. But if if you're in a league where you can actually approach your commissioner and adopt some of these things, here's a couple ideas. So the first one is the the live rookie draft with an actual timer instead of the slow draft. I know like, you know, in 2021, uh, we like the idea of just getting a notification and we have two to four hours, you know, to make a trade, you know, during our rookie drafts uh, in Dynasty. Uh, But there's something kind of just fun about getting your whole league together um, you know, obviously everyone doesn't live physically near each other, but to do a live hangout style event or a stream yard or something um and actually make those trades on the clock. You can do breakout rooms. Uh my my signature uh personal league, the Black Crown Dynasty League, uh, we actually do this and we're we're planning it. We're planning the 2021 draft right now. And it was really fun last year. I mean you could see the whole draft kind of like in a war room, just like you would see on, on ESPN but then you would see guys like texting each other, you know, while their <laughs> countdown's going and you're like, Oh man. Okay. Like I got, now I got to get a hold of Sean because I see JJ and Sean talking like this is, you know, this is a little bit wild. Um, but it, it just, uh, you know, I think there's a, a couple different layers of strategy that that can add. And it's just really fun. The other thing is I really love leagues that draft rookies before the NFL draft. And I realized that some people will just never get on board with that. They want all the information. But there's something cool about forcing yourself to do all that research early. Uh, and there are plenty of sites, ours, uh, of course, being one of them that do this research early on for you and and can provide you with, you know, rankings as early as December each season. So um, it's a way to get an edge. And, uh, we're, you know, we're looking for every edge we can find in Dynasty. Uh, Dave, what are some wrinkles that you enjoy?
1: Well, as, as everybody listening knows, I love an auction. Right, and I know that that's probably something that you, maybe you don't want an auction to be in every league because there is something kind of fun about doing the snake, but I think that's a really fantastic way to incorporate things. So even if you are not in a uh, league where your startup or you're, if it's a redraft league every year, the entire thing is just done by auction, finding some way to implement that is pretty cool. The other thing that I like is if you are in leagues that carry from year to year, Regardless of the format, maybe you do some fun things where you just didn't like, uh, you know, March, June and July or something like that. You do a random best ball draft and then the winner of those get some type of prize. Perhaps they get a couple extra fab dollars or stuff like that. Those are things that I think are just really neat to add to a league in terms of rules or other wrinkles like that. You know, um, there's nothing specific because I do think it's fun to have leagues where, you're challenging yourself in different ways. So I don't really have anything that needs to be blanketly applied to all of them like that.
2: I do have a rule that I think really needs to be adopted. Um, So the final playoff spot uh, should definitely, and this can even be true if you play, you know, in a league that's still head to head uh, and doesn't have a balanced schedule throughout the season. So I guess there's two ways to approach this. Number one, um, you can do head to head followed by all play each week so that way all owners are playing each other and you don't end up with you know a team making the playoffs because of a a luck of schedule situation Uh, the other way to handle this is to make the final wild card spot available to the team with the most points scored uh, during the season rather than the head-to-head record Um, what you really don't want to have is I mean in a situation where anyone really can get hot and win in the playoffs I mean we see it every single year um, you don't want potentially the best team or, you know, the next best team after those squads that did win, you know, so many of their head to heads, uh, the high scoring teams really need to be in the playoffs. And, and I used to be a little different on that. I was like, ah, well, the NFL, you know, is a little, you know, it's a imperfect thing and any given Sunday. Right. Uh, but I think when it comes to fantasy, um, the way that, that we play the game, the way we've added, you know, extra players uh, to reduce some of that variability and the premium that we put on you know, playing the waiver wire and and making sure that you start the right players each week, it's just a really big shame to see you know, a team get locked out if they score the most points.
1: OK, you took the words out of my mouth there because I meant to include something to that effect. Uh, I am completely on board with the idea that fantasy football at this point is a game that's separate from the NFL. We're not really trying to simulate the league or, you know, create some type of offshoot game that we're playing. It's an entirely different thing. And it really bothers me when teams with the most points don't have uh, the ability to get into the playoffs or when you have leagues that are set up in a way that um, it kind of makes it a crapshoot. Like I've been in a lot of leagues where there's a lot of teams just that are kind of middling teams. And then the way things work out, one of them manages to get in and you have a team that scored a billion points that somehow just manages to not find their way in. I think that just takes a lot of fun out of it. So I think that's a terrific point. All right. With that said, we are going to take a look at some new stats that we're going to be having on the site. Curtis, as we mentioned last week, we are going to be rolling out a partnership with Sports Info Solutions, an absolutely tremendous thing for us because it's going to give us so much more data to work with all different types of things that we're going to be able to look at that it's going to, that's going to explain what's happening on the field. And then we're just gonna be able to apply that to fantasy. So, you know, we are all really, really pumped about this. We're going to take a look at a couple of things, but just any quick thoughts again, that you want to mention on this. Uh,
2: just, just a quick thought being, you you know, if you're a road sub, um, sub you should be jumping for joy. I mean, we're not, we're not raising the price of, of your sub, but you're going to get so many more statistics uh, for your dollar. And you, you know that, you know, we, we create our tools, whether the, or refine the existing tools in such a way um, that, that they should lead you to either, you know, Hey, uncover some research that, you know, you now apply to, uh, you know, your model for your own fantasy drafting, or of course, you know, you get somebody like Blair uh, or Dave, you know, behind the keyboard, uh, after they've done some research with all these stats, and you get guys like me and Sean and Sam and, and others giving some ad- advice based off of that research. I mean, this is just, you know, this is just like next level stuff. And uh, you know, we've been talking about doing this with uh, SIS for I think two or three years now. And uh, we got it to a point where uh, this was the year, this was the year that it made sense. And this is just going to springboard is, you know, into the the next stratosphere uh, as a, as a fantasy, uh, information uh, and advice provider really really excited about it um and and I think the other thing is you know there's some people behind the scenes at Rotaviz that subscribers will never know um like you know Anthony is uh you know one of our guys he's he's probably uh you know one of the main data keepers now that that Mike Beers um, has stepped away. And when when you see somebody like Anthony, who is, you know, kind of shepherding our, our databases and, you know, helping to keep our tools updated, just be so excited about, you know, all the influx of this new data. Uh, that that gets me juiced, right? Because uh, we're all into different things. And, you know, he's to- totally nerding out uh, as, as you are, I'm sure, Dave. So is there anything uh, that we should talk with the listeners about today, you know, specific stats that have you uh, pretty excited?
1: Yeah, so... I came to the table here with just like a little bit of a tease. But the thing that I do want to lay out after I take a quick second to mention Anthony Shook, who, as you mentioned, is one of the wizards behind the scenes here. This guy is like, I I am not kidding you, Curtis. He is like a supercomputer. Like, I have met very few people that process information as quickly as he does. And to put it in perspective, I've had conversations with him where he is like rifling away at the keyboard coding stuff. Well, like answering these mundane, super simplistic questions that I have and just like, you know, without even needing to think he's using about 10% of his brain on my question while he's just doing like crazy complex stuff with probably only like the other, like, you know, like 20% of his brain and who knows what the rest of it is doing. So we really appreciate what Anthony is doing. But the really the, the thing that I am potentially most excited about in this data is that all of these different. New metrics that we're going to have, you can isolate to the personnel that was on the field, to the formation that was seen. So, one of the things I want to talk about first is catchable percentage or on target percentage that quarterbacks throw. But we're going to be able to take this to the level where we can say, okay, Kirk Cousins had the highest catchable percentage of all pastors, with his passes being catchable 89% of the time. We're actually going to be able to split that out to say, Okay, when a defense was in cover two with X number of cornerbacks on the field, what did his catchable percentage look like? And that is going to be so powerful because we can start to look at the defense as a quarterback is going to be facing, see their tendencies and then read into, for example, how a quarterback might perform. And I think this is going to allow us to look at players in a slightly different light. For example, Taysom Hill, his his passes were catchable. Eighty-eight percent of the time. Would you have thought that without me being able to read that off of a table like the one that uh, you and I are looking at now?
2: No, I would not have thought that. But um, I feel like I'm in danger of derailing uh, the podcast because you brought up Jason Hill. All right, we'll do I, it. I, I'll, do it. I'll, I'll, I, okay. Well, you know, it's just funny. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, for the listeners, I was, uh, I was dropping Dave some slack notes, uh, probably an hour or two ago, just telling him that, I you know, I liked the uh, show sheets for this week. And it's just funny, like, I don't know if if we've just kind of achieved some sort of like mindedness over the last two to three months. Um, or if he's secretly just like looking at some of the stuff that I'm tweeting, Is like, Oh, Curtis might want to talk about this. I don't know what it is. But it's just funny. Like, this morning, I tweeted, Uh, that one of 2021's biggest leverage points, especially in the early drafts, could be correctly calling the winner of the Saints QB battle. Um, And I had pulled Taysom Hill's four starts from last year, just because I was kind of misremembering. Um, I I think I owned so much much Alvin Kamara last year that I I remember the Taysom Hill starts is really frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're looking at it from a Taysom Hill perspective, I mean, he was QB nine in in fantasy points per game over those four weeks. And he was the 13th overall highest scoring fantasy player in that month. And the Saints were three and one. So I think, you know, uh, with that as a layer of context behind you saying that, you know, 88% of his passes were catchable. um, No, I don't think it does. It doesn't surprise me, um, you know, but within this this, um, data table that you're sharing with me here, I can see that his average throw depth uh, looks middling, or you know, even maybe below average, uh, as compared to some of the other uh, quarterbacks that had those high catchable percentages. So perhaps, you know, Taysom will, you know, learn more of the offense, you know, maybe get to some of those intermediate and deep reads more frequently this year. But um, this is a nice convergence of calling out a player uh, that, that I'm starting to lean towards wanting to be overweight on this year, uh, and then in finding a little nugget uh, that shows that you know perhaps he performed better than we remember.
1: Yeah. And, you know, another interesting thing about Taysom Hill was of all the quarterbacks that ranked in the top 12, uh, he had the highest pressure percentage. He was pressured on 43.1 percent of passes, which might make sense. Defenses thought that they could catch him off guard like that, you know, force him to make decisions quickly. Uh, So I'm looking forward to really drilling in down and getting a little bit more context there. Uh, You know, it's funny. I actually this week didn't have to check in on anything that you were doing because I think we are getting close to that. But I'm having trouble coming up with the show sheet. Sometimes I will. But I appreciate the fact that you liked this show sheet because I have now been putting together shows every week for probably about like four, four and a half years. And I'm starting to get to the point where like I feel like I'm running out of ideas. Uh, but it looks like this week I managed to just scrape by. All right. Some stats that are really fun to look at. And again, Things are going to go much deeper than this. I just want to start to give people a flavor. Let's look at broken tackles plus missed tackles per reception for some running backs. The, player at the, top, the two players at the top of the list I find really interesting. You have David Montgomery, who on 42% of his receptions actually rounds up to 43 is either breaking a tackle or it, forcing a missed tackle, followed by Mike Davis, Uh, I find this interesting because David Montgomery's in that offense where you have Damian Williams, Tariq Cohen, but perhaps this is something that speaks to the fact that the Bears should be interested in keeping him on the field more. Mike Davis going to be kind of polarizing as he steps into that role for Atlanta as their lead back, but we see him getting things done as a receiver. Other running backs that come up towards the top of that list, Kareem Hunt, James Robinson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And Robinson, this is one of those things that you can point to if perhaps he might be better.
0: Before history is written,
2: it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday.
1: Then that undrafted number would lead you to believe there are other metrics like this that you can look into that are pretty exciting. Uh, The other cool thing, Curtis, we're going to have yards per route run, which is something I know people have been waiting for. I'm pretty pumped to roll that out. Um, So there is just a lot of cool stuff coming down um, the pike there. Um, other players that scored well, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones uh, at the running back position and also DeAndre Swift. So pretty cool stuff at the running back spot there. I don't know if any of the players I mentioned, you just want to drop a quick nugget on about how you're feeling about them, even if it doesn't relate directly to those stats I just listed.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The
2: Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Well, I think what's interesting with David Montgomery performing so well, I think there's a a big section of the community that's assuming Tariq Cohen comes right back and uh, reprises his role from you know 2018 to 2019 as the primary receiving back Uh, but perhaps the Bears uh, offensive brain trust will uh, be able to see David Montgomery as you know more of a hey let's keep him on the field you know 15 20 percent more of snaps uh, and stop you know broadcasting you know what we're going to do every play that was something that we saw early on in Matt Nagy's Uh, tenure in Chicago that you know I think he would get frustrated with is basically it was if somebody besides Tariq Cohen was on the field they were probably going to run and so you know now it it opens things up for Chicago to be a little bit more mysterious um, with with some of the play calls and you know maybe that will actually help help the offense and then um, the other player I just wanted to call out there a little bit um, is DeAndre Swift you now have Anthony Lynn in Detroit, uh, who, you know, over the past couple seasons would have seen Austin Eckler perform so well uh, in, in this type of role where you're getting him in space and and letting him, you know, chew up yardage in, in the one-on-one uh, matchups instead of having to read the line. And I think, you know, Detroit backfield has been something that a lot of people have been pulling their hair out over the last week or so. There were those comments, Dave, I don't know if you saw them, where he called uh, he called Jamal Williams the, the A-back and I think uh, DeAndre Swift, the B-back, mm-hmm. and was talking about what those what those roles mean to him. And the A-back is is more of a uh, on first and second down, ground and pound, but still has enough receiving chops to stay on for all three. And the B-back is more of the uh, lesser touches, get them out in space. And if we see DeAndre Swift in that type of role, it's just really interesting. You know, I, I think in redraft so far, he would have been grossly uh, drafted. Uh, with where you see him going and it potentially impacts his, his dynasty value in the short term, um, but maybe could prolong his, his career uh, if Anthony Lynn's there for a couple seasons and we see, you know, Austin Eckler type usage. So wide range of outcomes for Deandre Swift, <laughs> I think was already on everyone's mind with all the changes that have gone on in Detroit, but now perhaps a, a shadow of doubt cast uh, over his role. And, you know, to see that he performs well and broken and missed tackles perception um, certainly no surprise that Anthony lens choosing to view him, uh, as, as a B back in his scheme there.
1: Yeah. And the thing that I really like about being able to look into numbers like this is lots of times it's, it's almost impossible to remove from the fantasy conversation, a player's ability, you know, it's something we try to do, but yeah. in the community, lots of times you get into conversations where that's just not possible. And it's really neat to have numbers like this, where people might say, Oh, you know, running back X is the playmaker and running back Y is, you know, more of the plotter. But sometimes you go in and you look at the numbers and you'll find that that's not true. So, you know, with a guy like David Montgomery that I expect to be kind of polarizing for people, you know, it's cool when you can look and you can see, all right, you know, maybe he does have more ability on the field than people want to give him credit for. Let's look now at that same metric for wide receivers. It's really neat to see LaVisca Chenault coming in at number two, breaking or forcing a missed tackle on 31% of his receptions. I really like this because it speaks to him being this playmaker that we thought he could be when he entered entered into the league. The player, and I forget the threshold that I used for receptions, but we see Jakeem Grant actually being the best player in this metric, followed by guys like A.J. Brown. And then the player I want to highlight, Jerry Judy, comes in ranked at 4th. 25% 25% in this metric. I think that's worth mentioning, right? Because it was hard to deduce just how good Judy was last year, given the way things went for him in Denver. Those are the type of the things that you like to see. Um, and, you know, his dot pretty high at 11.7 compared to some of the other players we see at the top of this, like guys like Hunter Renfro, Cooper Cup, uh, Traquan Smith, And Darnell Mooney, then you get down to DeAndre Hopkins, you know, a beast, forcing those broken or missed tackles 23% of the time. Um, Other big names you see towards the top, Tyreek Hill, DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, which I find kind of interesting. And then uh, Nelson Aguilar, we'll have to see if he continues that in New England. Uh, But, you know, just another, uh, another stat that we can look at that I find really interesting um, in this regard. Uh, a- any quick thoughts on those guys?
2: Yeah, let's stick on Judy there for a second. So uh, first off, there, you have so much data uh, <laughs> uh, pasted into into the show sheet here. Jerry Judy actually uh, a thirteen point nine. I think you were seeing AJ Brown eleven seven uh, okay on line yep. three there. Yep. So yeah, even even more impressive. Uh, one of the highest numbers on this list of any of these players uh, who are are breaking uh, tackles and you know evading tacklers in, in whatever manner. But when you really look across what's happening for, for Jerry Judy, okay, just a 46% completion percentage on on uh targets to to Jerry Judy. Only 78% of of uh passes were actually on target to the player. And then he also just had such a disappointing 17.6 drop percentage. I know that you know scoring a drop is a little bit uh subjective, but when when you talk about you know, not have, I mean, he easily has the worst on target percentage of any player on this list. Yeah. And then, you know, also perhaps a, a problem with drops, but we're saying that when he did catch the ball, it was generally a little bit further down the field. And he was one of the better players in the league at, at creating on his own once he, you know, made the reception. So last week we talked a little bit about, you know, the, the ceiling and floor situation in Denver with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. And, and now looking at this specific, specifically with a player like Jerry Judy, um, you know, perhaps Teddy Bridgewater uh, being a more accurate quarterback, maybe bringing the a dot down a little bit, uh, getting that on target percentage up, getting that completion percentage up, even without Jerry Judy appreciably increasing, you know, those targets from 113, you know, perhaps he still stays in that 110 to 120 range. We could still get a lot more production. You know on each target uh you know with with a more predictable quarterback under center so yeah that's that's really interesting uh for judy to show up so high on that that's not how i really thought of him um i I think maybe it's that he's you know so good at creating separation you know at the break point that he's giving himself a little bit of room to move after uh he makes that catch because he doesn't like he doesn't have that tyree kill or you know uh you know slipperiness to him yep um, or, or explosiveness to him that, that I think, you know, most people would associate with a stat like this, or even, you know, Jakeem Grant, just having the, the pure, you know, burning speed or Levisca Chenault and AJ Brown are more of those power guys are going to give you the stiff arm or run you over. So Judy showing up here, you know, is a little curious, probably going to spend a little time, uh, thinking about that a, a little bit, uh, and, and what it means for my thoughts about Judy. Um, I also wanted to pull out, uh, you posted the top 14, and we were focusing mostly on those running backs, but I'm looking at 11 overall or uh, yeah, 11 overall. I see a Gerald Everett, Gerald Everett <laughs> showing up. Really? I mean, that's pretty interesting because, you know, we we get a Rams offensive mind going to Seattle as the new offensive coordinator. And Gerald Everett was one of the first signings uh, that the team made after they made the change at offensive coordinator. Uh, so, you know, that, that's pretty interesting. Not sharing a role with Tyler Higby anymore being kind of the main man in Seattle um, you know, hey, if if he were to get 85, 90 targets instead of 60, 65, Gerald Everett, you know, maybe a, a sneaky producer uh, this year, given what he's doing with the ball in his hands.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, like I said, just a lot of really cool stuff that we can now dig into. I'm super pumped about it. The final thing that we'll talk about here, just to give a flavor for what people can expect. Um, you know, and we're still in the process of getting in this data, manipulating it, getting into the shape that we need to push it to our tools. So I don't have the exact timeline on when this stuff is going to be available. I'm hoping to start getting out some articles that include some of this really cool stuff, but we are also going to have information such as slot percentage and targets from the slot. So guys that led in the slot last year, Juju Smith Schuster saw 108 targets from the slot also ran more routes than any other Wide receiver, C D Lamb coming in at two with 105. Of course, Cole Beasley, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Lockett, the usual faces that you would expect there, guys like Keenan Allen. And then we're going to be able to look at different things like their completion percentage when they're in the slot, drop percentage, yards per route run from the slot. And then we'll be able to look at when guys are in the slot versus how they performed when they're outside of it, which should give us some interesting things when we see, you know, players. Um, kind of changing their role within their team's offense. So I'm just super pumped about stuff like that. Any names on this list that you weren't expecting to see running so many routes out of the slot? There's one player in particular that I think people might be surprised about. I'm wondering if he stood out to you as well.
2: Um, Nobody is necessarily jumping off the page uh for me here, at least not up at the top. Yep. Um Maybe... Well, the Rams move their receivers around so much. Um Robert Woods having such a high you know ninety-two from the slot. Yeah. Uh but then you see Cooper Cup. I mean, they're both getting in their uh getting in their, their looks from that that spot. Devontae Adams, I think, um, that's the one pushing yep. into the slot. That that seems that seems a little odd, but even more even more so than that, I mean in this this type of statement, uh or you know, I guess just um, misguided thought process in in prospect evaluation um, during dynasty rookie evaluation. Uh, you know, Oh, well, this guy's a slot. He projects as a slot at the next level. Like literally every player on this, if you just were able to build, if, if you could take your top three or four receivers uh, on a dynasty squad and just grab bag it from this list of the top 14 that you made, I'm pretty sure you'd be pretty happy with like any combination uh, because you either have like basically the best wide receivers in the NFL Um, guys with really awesome touchdown rates or guys who were slot receivers for super high-powered offenses and really outperformed expectation like Cole Beasley's third on this list and he was like a top 18 PPR wide receiver last year Uh, definitely held things together in the flex spot or wide receiver three spot for tons and tons of league champions last season so this is a really exciting list and um, just one more reason why we love players to be in the slot for PPR purposes especially.
1: Excuse me. Yeah, and you know this is one of the things when I look at this that makes me feel a little bit better about Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster, player that I've always liked more than a lot of people. But like, this is one of the reasons we see that there's value in being on this list. And when you're sitting at the top, even though you have an A dot of just five point six, uh, you know, I think Juju was like seventh in the league last year in receptions. And you know, playing under the slot is something that will do that to you. So. We're going to have a lot more on this coming down, um, you know, the pipeline for everyone out there. Um, I had a question for you, Curtis, that we spent so much time actually on that. We're going to on the other stuff. I forgot about this. We're going to have to go through this quickly. Now, this might have already been answered by the time some people listen to this. But apparently Julio Jones wants to play with Cam Newton in New England. Where would you personally like to see him go? Very quick thoughts on what this does to Matt Ryan in Atlanta.
2: Okay, so the Julio news drop that came out was that he he wanted to go somewhere and win. <laughs> so, so Julio, listen, man, uh, why do you want to go to New England now? Like New England does not own the the AFC East anymore. It's it's a, a Buffalo division. Miami's on the come, um, and and we don't know what we have in Cam. And I mean, I, I cam and Julio are not going to be Brady and Moss. That's uh, just, it's not going to happen. So that's really interesting. Maybe they're good friends. Um, okay. What does it do to Matt Ryan and Elena? Well, I don't think we really ever, we're going to have a reality where Matt Ryan and Julio, were are going to play uh, together this season. So it probably doesn't change my ranking there. Um, if anything, it does more for Russell gauge uh, who actually showed up in your targets from slot uh, data, you know, on the table uh, just above. Russell Gage is like a super interesting dynasty stash, you know, right now, who I think is going to be super flex worthy, uh, top, you know, sneaky top 36 wide receiver potential this year for sure. And uh, where would I want to see Julio go? Man, um, I don't think that he'll want to go to this place, but I see them show up as like the fourth or fifth most likely spot and i think given what the quarterback showed us in year 1 of his nfl career and um how julio's skill set would fit with the other players on the roster how cool would julio jones with justin herbert in los angeles be uh keenan allen eating up the middle of the field julio over the top i mean that is how you go after the kansas city chiefs dave uh that that would be my selected spot for julio
1: yeah that would be extremely, extremely exciting. You know, the one that also I hear a lot of people talking about, which I think would be kind of exciting just to see uh, these two players on the field at the same time would be AJ Brown and Julio Jones. But I think that uh, the Chargers might be even more exciting. I think you had yourself muted Uh, there,
2: man. Yeah, that, that would be, man, if you lose Derrick Henry, but then add one of the most like physically imposing wide receivers of all time, like, (laughs) man, I can't, that would just opposing secondaries would just be, you know, shaking, uh, (laughs) trying to decide between, uh, who to scheme out uh, each week between Julio and AJ Brown. That would be really exciting too. I like that one as well.
1: All right. So that brings us to the end of the episode this week uh, reminder you want to win a shirt uh, call nine seven eight six one five nine two one four. Leave us a comment or a question and you will be entered to win. Thanks for checking in with us. We will see you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening to the roto Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at rotovizffshow at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener-only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.